Amen. Please be seated. It's good to see all of you on this uh, very special day as we worship God. And, um, you know, we have some fun things happening. One of the things that Pastor Sam mentioned uh, is that we really want to uh, put our focus on our families. And sometimes we take the closest things. Think about that. The most important things and people in our lives, we take them for granted. God, family, um, church people. Uh, church family, and so we want to really focus on family. So whatever your fa family looks like, uh, whether uh, it's huge or whether it's just the two of you, um, we want to encourage you to just have some fun together and um, join in what the whole church is doing. It's almost like a homework assignment that we want you to do. So keep that in mind. And then we're just excited for our next membership class we're having today. We had a lot of uh, new uh, brothers and sisters um, signing up. So it's happening today um, at 1 o'clock in the youth group worship room. So make sure you're there. And if you're not sure, uh, please stop by and um, see Pastor Sam as well. Well, today I want to um, talk to you about this idea of love. Um, and the passage that we read, we read, read like 10 verses, and it talks about how we ought to love and things that we ought to not love. And so we're going to kind of look at both of those things. The positive side of it, it tells us to love. And then the negative side, it says don't love the things of this world. And so we want to see as a Christian, as I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, who am I supposed to love? And who am I or what am I supposed to not love? And uh, in love, love cannot love all things without hating other things. You can't love everything. You have to hate things in order to love something correctly. And in order to follow Jesus Christ, um, you can't just love anything and everything and accept all things. But there are things that you have to love and there are things you have to not love. And so we want to um, look at that today. You know, last week um, I was at Irvine and I preached there. And I know Pastor Sam talked about this um, in verse 1 through 7, the idea of obedience, the answer to the test that God has put before us. How do we know we are Christian? How do you know that you are a Christian? You obey him. That was answer one. Today is about love, that you love him. And those are the fundamentals of our faith, right? O obeying Christ and loving other people. Right? And, and you do it that way. You cannot obey selective things and you cannot love people I just want to love. It's loving uh, all people. Um, and the, so we're going to look at those two parts. You know, this week it was uh, Martin Luther King Day, and as Dr. King had mentioned, and had so many wonderful um, speeches and uh, letters that he had written. One of the things he said was uh, very pertinent to our text and our, our reading through First John. He says, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive um, out Hate, only love can do that. And how true is that, right? Um, the things that he fought for and he understood that it's not darkness versus darkness. You dispel darkness with light. And so hatred does not fight against hatred, but it is in love that you get rid of that. And so we, we see that here. And so the first call is now we are to love other people. You as a Christian, you have to be loving. It's not just about being an extrovert, of liking people, getting along with people, being a social person. You have to actually love people. It's far deeper than just being a social person, far being uh, you know, a popular person. I have to love people. I have to care for people. I have to be kind to people. 
right? Uh, love is that important. You know, you think about in 1 Corinthians 13 when he lists, you know, the greatest spiritual gift of all. Um, it's not prophecy or it's not giving away all that I have for the poor. Um, it, he says all those things. He says, no, the greatest is love. Without love, all those things, the deep understanding and the prophecy and the sacrificing of myself uh, or giving away all my stuff, is nothing. All of our religious acts are nothing if we don't have love. And so love is the key thing. You know, when the Bible talks about the fruit of the Spirit, the evidence you're a Christian, the first one that's mentioned is love. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. It's love. So as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, it's not just simply about a creed. It's not about saying, I follow these things and I believe these things and I don't believe these things. It's love. All of that is nothing without love. And so we see this here in the passage that we read in verse 7. Beloved, I am writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. Now, let's pause here. He says, it's not even a new thing. You've already heard this. We've all heard this. Uh, We've all heard this, whether you grew up in Sunday school or you've heard about the church. Yeah, yeah, love others, love your enemies. We've all heard that. It's elementary, it's basic. And and even those who maybe aren't um, fully believers, and maybe there's some of you that are saying, I'm not sure if I'm fully committed to Christ. I'm still trying to figure it out. My parents were. Um, But we've all heard this. He says, yeah, it's the old saying that you've heard. It is so elementary. It is so basic. And yet it is so difficult that you love others. And he says at verse 8, at the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Here he's saying your identity is changing. You're no longer in the dark, but the light has come. Jesus Christ has come into your life. And so as a follower of Jesus, he is in your life, Who you are is changing. And so this commandment is new. Now you're able to start loving other people. He enables us. He shows us. He gives us the strength to do so. Prior, we say, I can't. I can't love those people. I can't love that person for what he did to me. I can't love this group of people for what they have done to to my group of people. But now, because of Christ, my identity has changed. The light has come into darkness. I can love other people. And he says in verse 9, Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. So are you really in the light? Are you really in Christ? That's the question. And we have to love other people. This is a process for a lot of us where... uh, Maybe we grew up in a home where it was acceptable to to hate certain people. Or maybe we had been hurt as a younger person and uh, that pain and bitterness is still very real. Um, And you're like, "I, I don't know if I could let go of that. But as a Christian, we're called to love in this way. We're called to love. And so if we say, boy, I, maybe you say, you know, that's a strong word. I don't hate someone. It says, oh, if you hate someone, you're, I don't hate them. But really, if you dislike someone, if you're bitter against someone, uh, you have animosity against someone, you know, you just don't want to ever see them, right? Uh, I don't want to see them until I die. I don't want to deal with them. You know, if I never see them, oh well. We have to learn to forgive. We have to learn to let go. We have to learn to love because Jesus loved us. Because Jesus died for us. So we, 
we, he is our motive. And he's the one who teaches us now. So we love other people, especially the brothers in the church, the, those in the church, this idea, right? Those within the body of Christ, I have to love. I can't hate someone. And if there is someone, and let's be just honest with ourselves, we say, I hate this person, I hate that person, what they did to me, uh, we have to start working through that and saying, how can I not hate that person? Because uh, I'm in the light. Uh, I'm a different person. Um, I don't hate someone anymore. Now, uh, we're supposed to love other people, but what are we not to love? And this is the stuff that's easy to love. It's the things of this world, it tells us. Uh, verse 15. Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So he says to love other people, love the brothers in the church, love one another, right? But now he says, don't love the things of the world. Now, the, wor the world is not saying, um, don't be a worldly person. Don't, you know, you're not supposed to travel. You're not supposed to go visit places. You're not supposed to enjoy different kinds. That's not different kinds of foods. That's not what it's saying. When it's talking about the world, it's talking about the people of the world. What people in our day and age, outside the church, what they value, what they live for, what they take as important. He says, you can't be the same as them. You have to be different than them. So don't love the things of the world. And the things of the world are broken down in three parts. In verse 16, desires of the flesh, desires of the eyes, and the pride of life. Those three parts. And we're going to talk about this, right? Uh, do not love the things of the world. Um, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You know, he's saying, if we love too many other things, we just don't have enough room in our heart to love God as well. Uh, in, in order to be devoted, it's really devoted to one thing. Now think about this. You guys remember, um, and we've all gone through this, where uh, you, know, you start dating, right? Um, and you have a group of guys, especially amongst guys, you have a group of guys, and one of them first gets the girlfriend or first gets engaged. And then they can't hang out anymore. And so the guys are all like, come on, man, you know. I thought you were a man. What's wrong with you, you know. Tell her to start calling you. Are oh, you going to go to the mall? You're going to watch what? The notebook? You know, like, come on, you can't do that. Like, be a man, hang out. And you say, ah, and there's that tension, right? And we're like, oh, no, I'm a man, you know, but I, I like watching notebooks, so relax. You know, I'm going to go with her. I'm going to go shoe shopping with her. It's okay. What happens? Because of the commitment, we have to say no to things. There isn't enough room. There isn't enough hours in the day. And then what happens when you get married? We can't say, well, I'm going to go out. Um, I'm, you know, guys are going to play ball, and then we're going to go hang out and do this till 1, 2 in the morning, and Friday night I'm going to hang out with the guys. You can't. You've got family. I'm a married person. I've got to consider the, the wife. I've got to consider my husband. And you have kids. You know, you're just locked up for like 18 years. Like, you can't go anywhere for 18 years, right? Like, can you go? No, it's napping. You know, can you do that? No, the kid's napping. Like, I can't, I can't do anything. The kid's napping. You know, that has to nap, you know. And we, uh, we've all been through that. Or some of us are going through that. As someone more important comes into my life, I have to say no to other people. I just don't have enough space. I don't have the capacity. I don't have the amount of hours, time, attention to say yes to everyone. And here, this is what he's saying. If you say yes and you love the things of the world, you don't have enough room for God. And Jesus tells us, right, you've you got to serve God or money. You can't serve both. You don't have time for that. This demands so much. 
Following Jesus demands so much, there are things and people you have to say no to. And what are the things we should not love? The things of the world. First part is the desires of the flesh. Desires of the flesh. The things that make us uh, feel good, make us happy, we think. The things that we want, immediate gratification. Right? Uh, it's interesting. Uh, uh, many uh, commentators have paralleled those three things with First of all, with Eve and Adam, when they encountered the serpent and they were tempted by Satan there, right? And they were tempted on those three levels. It was pleasing to the eye, it tasted good, and they, they became like gods. They, they had this ability. Versus also the encounter Jesus had with Satan, where he was taken up onto the mountaintop and he was tempted in three different ways after 40 days of fasting. And we're going to look at this a little bit. The first thing he says here to uh, not love is the desires of the flesh. Now, in Matthew 4, what happens? The tempter came and said to Jesus, or said to him, if you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. It's interesting. In the very previous section, Matthew tells us he fasted for 40 days, and he was hungry. Yeah, he was hungry. He was starving. Right? And some of us, have we skip a meal, and we, we use words like, I'm starving to death, I'm dying, you know, I'm so hungry. Uh, he, 40 days, he fasted. And, and the first thing he comes is, he comes after the, the flesh, the desires of the flesh. Hey, you must be hungry. How about some warm bread? Why don't you make some bread? Why don't you enjoy yourself? Um, and Jesus resists. Right? He says, yeah, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from from, proceeds from the word of God, uh, the mouth of God, and he, he resists that. And so the temptation, first temptation, is of the flesh, the things that we want, the things that we so much want to have. Like I remember as a, a little kid, um, and, and think about this, all of us, when we're little kids, we want a certain toys, and I remember wanting, I remember at one stage in my childhood, I was really into action figure dolls, okay? I don't want to say dolls, but I have to preface that by saying it's action figure dolls. It's not dolls, right? As a guy. But it was G.I. Joe was big, I remember. And um, I had like two, two of them with their little guns and little helmets, and I would play with them. Because back then you had to play make-believe. You, you couldn't go and play an iPad and stuff. So anyways, I had that. And my friend, I remember we'd play war, and he'd bring like the 100 G.I. Joes he had, and I always had two. And then I'd lose, you know, like it was, um, we would fight. And so I remember going to a place, some of you remember, Gemco. Like this is before Costco was Price Club, before Price Club ever existed. We had Gemco, right? And, and going there, and I remember um, going to the toy section, and there was um, the G.I. Joe section, right? And I remember getting my favorite one, his name was, I still remember his name, Snake Guys. It was like, he, was wearing, he looked like a ninja. He was all worn, wearing black. And um, I remember getting it. And I remember looking at it and wanting it so bad. And this is the next step that I took. I, I, I opened it up. And I was like, I just want to see, see what it feels like. Yeah, you know, like, uh, oh, yeah, it feels good. Like, uh, wow, his arms turn all this different ways. And I could really take out like 50 guys. And he had the, you know, the weapon. And I remember doing this. And I was like, you know what happens next, right? You look around and say, well, you know, hey, you know, they, they have like a thousand here. Like, you know, Jemco is not going to, you know, be mad that I, and so I took it. So I took it. I stole it, all right? Um, now, this was like 1983, so don't, you know, okay, and so I stole this. And I remember putting it, I still remember vividly, I was wearing this uh, Oakland A's hat. I grew up in Oakland, so I, I put it inside my hat, and I put my hat on. And I was like, I'm going to get away with this. And I was 
you know, the moment I did that, it looked like everyone in the store was looking at my head. Like, you know, you're just walking around. I, I still remember all, it felt like everyone was looking at my head, like he's standing up on my head, um, being scared. And I remember going through the cashier line and I, I, I was terrified. It was all regret at that point. I thought the cashier could see it through my you know, hat and the, and the cashier didn't care. And then at the end, when you are checking out, they have a guy that's actually, you know, really good for nothing, the security guard who was there. And I'm walking out, and my heart is just beating out of my chest. And I was like, I shouldn't have done this. I shouldn't have done this. I'm going to be going to jail today. My life is over. And, and then we get by. And no one caught me. So I'm in the car with my mom with snake eyes under my hat. And I'm afraid to move because what if my hat falls off and snake eyes falls out? And, my, and I remember taking it home, and I couldn't. I had a little lunchbox um, that I would put my... Doll, my action figure dolls into, um, and uh, being afraid, I couldn't even leave, leave him with the rest of the guys, because what if my mom looked and found that I was playing with Snake Eyes, you know, and so I remember hiding it in secret places, and whenever I, I'd play at my house, I, I couldn't, you know, bring them out, I was afraid my mom would see it, it was just, you know, you say, yeah, it's a kid, do something stupid like that, but really in life, the things that we want, we look at it, we smell it, we touch it, we say, but I kind of want that. And we start entertaining the thought over and over and over. And he says, that's the, that's the love of the world. That's the things of the world. That's, that's what everyone around us is saying. That's what the world that we live in is saying to us. Isn't that true? I mean, you're going to watch the Super Bowl next week, and you're going to see all the ads telling you, you need this, you should buy this, you should get this. And you're going to see it over and over, and you're going to be saying, I don't know, I, 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 maybe I should. And it's no longer little action figure dolls, but as we grow up, it's bigger things, and it's, it's money, and it's sex, and it's all these things that's around us, saying, I, I don't know if I, I should do this. I know it's not right. He says, don't love the things of this world. The second part of this is the lust of the eyes, right? The desires of the eyes. So it's not just what feels good, tastes good, but it's also what looks good, right? Um, and it's interesting because when Jesus, again, when Satan takes Jesus to be tempted, he tempts him with the things that he sees in Matthew 4, 8. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. Interesting, the temptation for him was to leave the mission, not go to the cross, but take a shortcut. And what does he do? You look carefully here. He showed him. Look. Look at all these things you could have. Don't you want all these things? Look at all the power and the pleasure you could have, the things that we see. Go look. Right? This, is, this is our window shopping. This is our, I'm just browsing. This is go take a look. And he says, the desires of our eyes, they never end. The things that we want never end. It is always there. Um, C.S. Lewis, who said that appetites grow through indulgence, not neglect. Gluttons think just as much about food as starving people. It's, it's the more we indulge, the more we take in, the more we look and say, I want this, I want this, I wish I could have this, I wish I could have that, I wish I could be like that person. And the more we look at it, it only feeds that appetite. Um, the world does this to us just this month. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, there was a story out of Ohio. Um, they, the, the, the newest Jordans had come out, and they were at the mall, and um, these two boys, one 16-year-old boy, really wanted a new pair of Jordans, and I don't know how much the new ones are. 
uh, but he waits and he follows someone who goes into the, the, the main shoe store, Foot Locker or whatever, and buys Jordans, and he follows them out. And so him and his friend approached these three guys that had bought all new Jordans, and he brandished the gun and said, give us your shoes. And think about that for a moment, right? Uh, for a kid to do that over a pair of shoes, um, whatever they're worth, to say, I, I, I will threaten your life to do this. But what happens is a bystander who had a, a permit to carry a gun saw him brandish the gun, ended up shooting him and killing the 16-year-old boy. Dead. The, the innocent look, the lust that we, 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 we look at and we feed, it'll lead us to action. The more we dream about it, the more we think about it, the more we say, I wish I had, I wish I could be in that place. The more we cut, the, the grass is greener on that side. I wish I lived. The more we do that, it will eventually lead to action. what's pleasing to the eyes. Right? And thirdly is the pride of life, it says. It's the stuff I already have. The things that I already have, the achievements I've already obtained. So he says, the, the love of the world are over the, these things, right? The appetite for my flesh, the, the desires of my eyes, and the current things that I already have. I need to show everyone what I have. I need to show everyone what I've obtained. I need to show what I've amassed, I, what I've accomplished. I need to highlight these things over and over. And he says, these are the things of the world. You cannot love them. Now, going back to Jesus being tempted. In Matthew 4, 5, devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you. And on their hands, they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone. So he's saying, why don't you show off what you have already? You have all of heaven. You have all of the angels at your beck and call. You jump off and they're going to come. Why don't you take pride in the things you already possess? It's the same exact temptation. The things of the world that we ought to avoid. And so the, the thought is, is this saying, is really following Jesus about just, like, I can't have any fun? Like, this means, like, I, I'm denying myself all these things? Like, I, I can't do this at all? No. Uh, the Bible tells us in, in Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart. What he's saying is, Jesus is saying, I want to be your delight. I want to be your desire. I want to be what you want. I want to be what your eyes are fixed upon. I want to be what you boast about. I want to be your all in all. And so he becomes our desire. He becomes our joy. He becomes these things. And for the person, for the Christian who understands this, who has changed from darkness to light and have understood this, we say, that's it. Uh, you see a, a parent with a newborn baby, and they say, boy, this, this little child that is born to me has changed my life. The person that gets married says, this, this spouse of mine has changed my life. This is all I want. And Jesus is saying, you've got to want me more than all these things. And so for us, I want us as a church, as we take God's word in, to be loving people. Learn to love people who are different from you. 
Love people who might have hurt you in the past. Learn to forgive. Learn to love people, not just likable people, not just lovable people, but love people. And secondly, don't love the things of the world. Those are temporal things. The rest of the passage tells us it's not, it's not worth it, but delight yourself. Learn to delight yourself in the Lord. Let him give you the desires of your heart. Let him change your heart. Say, I now get it. I want to be with him, and that's all that matters. And that's my prayer for us today, that we would love the right things, hate the wrong things, and let Jesus uh, be the desire of our hearts. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the church, and uh, we ask that you would help us to love you, to love your people, Help us, Lord, not to be enamored with the things of the world, which are so temporal, and they never satisfy, but you always do. You are eternal. You are the bread of life, and so we go to you, God. We thank you, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.